Hey, welcome everyone. Another edition of the old podcast here. This is Midnight Cory, podcast where I, Cory, talk about things. And uh, for some reason, you listen to them. So <laughs> what can you do? Hope you had a great Halloween. Uh, just this past Sunday, it was pretty cool. I uh, got a lot of trick-or-treaters at my house, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Although, you know, something I noticed this year um, it was that a lot of the kids, and we got a lot of kids... But a lot of them came up to the door. We were actually sitting out on our porch, and we had, you know, the decorations and everything. And the kids would come up, and we'd give them candy. But uh, most of them wouldn't even look at you. Like, they'd come right up to you, and they'd just hold out their bag and not even, like, say anything or even look at you. So you throw candy in the bag, and then they're gone. And that would be it. <laughs> so it's like... You know, it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of enthusiasm this year, a whole lot of spirit about things. You know, I didn't hear a whole lot of trick-or-treats the whole night, which was a bummer. But uh, no, nonetheless, it was really cool. And I'm realizing the little neighborhood I'm living in, we got so many kids coming through so quickly that I turned to my wife and I'm like, you know, uh, if I were smart and I were a little kid, I would go around this neighborhood like three or four times because most likely there are so many kids going through that the people aren't even going to notice and a lot of them look similar you know i saw some cool some really cool costumes a couple uh, nice cool zombies this year actually but uh you know hey they could they would probably get away with going through these places several times so uh but yeah but halloween was good i hope yours was fun i hope yours was safe but uh yeah um several things to talk about on the podcast this week um, and I, I probably could have uh, watched more movies and things like that, but November is especially busy for me. Now that I'm trying to do my novel again, uh, National Novel Writing Month, got that started, um, and things, uh, things are kind of a rocky start here for me this year. Uh, I've restarted the whole thing twice, so uh, you know I was behind that way. Now I'm about a day and a half behind in my word count. Which never feels good. So yeah, that it's just it's slow going right now. It's a cool story, and uh, I think I'm I'm going cool places with it. But man, man, it's just kind of rough this year, and it's because I have a lot of other things going on. I am uh, still working on my movie, my short film. Uh, shooting is done. Uh, most of the After Effects work and and stuff like that is done. Now I'm doing audio, and I I, po I posted things to Twitter this week about recording audio. And uh, it's really cool getting into some Foley sounds and uh, yeah, things like that. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And as you know, I do like to work with audio, so it's kind of obvious. So yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool right now. So I'm hoping to have that out. My original goal, if you remember, was to have my film done by Christmas. So I'm still aiming for that, and I still think it is very realistic. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, a, a lot's going on, so I have to kind of budget my time here um what else i'm watching a bunch of movies the walking dead started the walking dead tv show so we're going to be talking about that this week um and uh i have a couple voicemails about it and uh, here's the thing i know that every podcast and all of their podcasting buddies are going to be talking about the walking dead this week 
Uh, you've probably heard of them, heard a lot of them already. Uh, Bad Hammer is calling in this week and talking about all the podcasts that have sprung up just because of the Walking Dead TV series. And we all know there's zombie podcasts out there and this and that and whatever. Uh, and I'm sorry, I got to be one of the ones talking about them too. But uh, man, man, I, I've been really excited for this TV show. I have strictly limited myself as to the images that I subject myself to from the Walking Dead TV series beforehand. So I wanted to be as surprised as possible watching the first episode. So yeah, I really held out here. So I'll be talking about that this week. And I'm sorry, like I said, if this is redundant, just don't listen to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I gotta be like every other podcast out there, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm also going to talk about Plan 9 from Outer Space from 1959, the Ed Wood classic. A lot of people call it the worst movie ever made. Um, but yeah, that's the next movie. It's actually, I think, it's either the last or the next to last movie from the 50s I'm going to be talking about as far as my little, you know, march through zombie history here. Um, let me see, because next week, no, there's another one. Next week I'm going to be uh, talking about another one from 59. So we're not quite out of the 50s yet. So, yeah, Plan 9, I know a lot of you have seen it out there, so I'll be talking about that and where its place in, in zombie cinema is, you know? Does it hold a place in zombie cinema? I don't know. We'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got uh, Netflix Instant Watch recommendation just for you. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? Original music, lots of voicemails. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great, fun party. Now, um, one last thing I'm going to talk about here in this, in this section before we get on to bigger and better things on the episode <laughs> is uh, Twitter. Um, you know, a lot of people, I, I've seen this pattern on Twitter, uh, a lot of people just bash remakes just cut and dry. If it's a remake, it's bad. And uh, I get sick of seeing this. I get sick of a lot of people on Twitter. And unfortunately, I don't have the amount of self-control necessary to withhold my statements on Twitter, my reactions to people on Twitter. And uh, yeah, so this week, uh, I kind of did it again. People were complaining about remakes, like, I hate remakes, I wish they would stop making remakes, this and that. And then uh, and I posted, I'm just sick of people complaining and always moaning and groaning about remakes. Just, I'm sick of it. And so there was a person that uh, replied to me, and, and uh, she was talking about how much she hates remakes, and she doesn't know what I find in them, but if it works for me, then it works for me, fine, whatever. But she hates remakes. And I just told her how sad a generalization that that was, that uh, you immediately dismiss all remakes. You know, last week was a prime example. I, I talked about Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. That was a remake, and it was excellent. It was awesome. And uh, we've seen other, uh, like The Thing. I talked about that also. Um, yeah, so uh, there are great, great remakes, and a lot, of course, many, many more. Ah, so, but she was just staunch, you know, against remakes, and I, I thought she was getting frustrated and upset with me, because I'm like, well, you just have to kind of have an open mind and judge each separate movie on its own merit, and try not to think about that movie in light of other movies, although sometimes it's inevitable, but, uh... You know, you should really give films a shot if you can, and uh, she didn't seem to want to do that. And I thought she was getting mad at me, but all in all, actually, she was very cool about the whole thing. And I'm just like, hey, thanks for the discussion, because we didn't end up getting in a little little heated snit with each other, you know, where 
if somebody starts calling somebody else names, you know, that's what happens to me most of the time. I, I try to stay away from name calling as much as possible, although it's fun to, you know, make, make statements about idiots and retards and things like that. But generally, if I'm on a one-on-one -on -one discussion with you, uh, I'm not going to use name calling as any kind of tactic. And unfortunately, when I disagree with most people, they end up calling me names because really they have nowhere else to go. They're, they're done. They've hit a brick wall in their argument, and uh, they're just like, well, you know, <laughs> whatever. They start with the names. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, whatever. But this did not go into that. She was very cool. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, she just wouldn't change her position on being so close-minded about remakes. And remakes are not inherently bad. They've just got a bad rap uh, for, a, well, a long time now. But anyhow, so that was my little Twitter drama here for the week. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, take a little break. Let's then get on with the rest of the episode. I bet you're excited about that. When I have to puke at night boom, 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 boom. I can be so indiscreet I don't run down to the john I just throw up on my sheets I puke on the pillow and I puke on my floor Smells so bad it makes me puke some more I'm lying in puke since it's just deep so I just smile and go back to sleep Oh, how I love to sleep in vomit You don't know the joy I get from it Waking up to smell of spew Makes me shout, I love you When I wake up it's almost noon That rotten smell goes through my room I take a whiff, it smells okay, ay, ay. So I rise to greet the brand new day. Oh, how I love to sleep in vomit. You don't know the joy I get from it. Waking up to the smell of spew. Makes me shout, I love you. I just show up on my sheets. 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 I just show up on my. I just show up on my. I just show up on my sheets. On my sheets. On my sheets. I just show up on my sheets. Hey, I just. I just throw up on my sheets, my sheets, my sheets, my sheets, my sheets, my sheets. Now we smoke on. Throw up on my sheets, I just throw up on my sheets, I just throw up on my
Hey, it's me, uh, DJ Frenchie666. Uh, um, I, uh, this morning, I QC uh, free screening of Saw 3D, um, and I'm going to watch it tonight. Again, like, in less than an hour for the second time. Um, it was a very good movie. A lot of traps, about 11 of them, and uh, it's more complicated to be out of them. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a very good movie. Dude, it is really good to hear from you. DJ Frenchy 666 um, Man, man, haven't heard from you for a long time. So it's great to hear from you. And uh, thank you for kind of giving me the scoop on Saw 3D, uh, Saw 7. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really kept up with the Saw movies. I really like the, the, especially the first one. That's my favorite. And then I saw two and three, and I'm not sure if I saw four. So, uh, I think I might've, but, uh, yeah, they're movies that, uh, I just, they, they kind of got lost. I, I saw them. I don't know I kind of got into the zombie thing so much. And I, I saw the Saw movies as being uh, so redundant a lot of times, uh, cause you pretty much knew what was going to happen. But uh, nonetheless, they're very violent and uh, very cool, and I think there are some very good things going on in them. And I, I thank you for your review, uh, DJ Frenchie, of, uh, of that. And I've been thinking of doing a Saw podcast, you know, part of one of my episodes here I, I do about all the Saw movies. But actually, um, you should go listen to uh, the Fear Shop podcast. Over there, they just did a Saw episode. Um, yeah, so... Uh, go listen to that. I love Fear Shop, so yeah, yeah, you ought to be listening to that anyhow. But uh, they just did a great Saw episode. They talked about a lot of great things. So yeah, listen to that instead. But I am going to watch the Saw movies eventually. I'd like to watch them all again, or actually for the first time, whatever. But all in a row. I think that'd be great. So DJ Frenchy, dude, it's great to hear from you again, man. I can tell you like it. I love it. It's perfect. About the deposit, I'll agree to waive all the deposit stuff. You just give me the first month's down, we'll call it a day, all right? It's hard coming up with all that money, isn't it? Uh, it's gonna work out. You're not going $84 in a bank account, and I checked her right on Monday. You know what you should do. Hi, I'm calling in regards to the babysitter flyer posted outside my dorm. Tonight's big eclipse is now well underway.
being that I am the official spokesman for Netflix, uh, I'm going to be telling you about movies that you should be watching on Netflix, and I'm going to give you a recommendation, as uh, I've been doing every week, as to a, a good, fun horror movie that you should watch. And uh, this week, it's going to be House of the Devil, a movie by uh, Ty West. And um, I'm going to say that you should go watch it, um, but this is a movie that I reviewed for James Melzer's Unleashed here several months ago, back in, I think it was like June. So I still have that clip. I'm going to play in my review of it because there's no reason for me to do it again. I'll probably say something different this time anyhow. So House of the Devil, it, it's, it's a movie worth seeing and it is available on Netflix Instant Watch. Go watch it. And uh, let's get on to my review that originally aired on my friend James Melzer's podcast, Unleashed. Today I'm talking about House of the Devil. It's a 2009 movie that has actually had a lot of talk going on around. You know, a lot of people seem to love this movie. So it was on Netflix, Instant Watch, which I've been in love with lately. Tried watching it after a night of having a few drinks over the weekend. So it was like 11 o'clock and I brought my laptop into bed so I could stream it through Netflix. And I fell asleep like a half an hour into it. So got up the next morning and I continued the movie. And uh, I had to keep a steady stream of coffee going to keep alert on this one. But uh it was actually pretty good. Now, it was written and directed by Ty West. And the only other thing that he's done that I've even heard of is Cabin Fever 2. And I'm not sure that I ever saw that one. Uh, I don't know. They all kind of blend together. So, <laughs> And the thing of note in this movie, uh, from an acting standpoint, I didn't recognize any of the actors except for Dee Wallace. She has a small role at the beginning as the landlady, and of course Dee Wallace is the mother from E.T., and she's been in like a billion other things, but that's where I knew her from. And she's aged quite well. Um, so House of the Devil has won all kinds of awards, and from what I've heard, like I said, most people think this is like the greatest horror film ever. People just love this movie, and it, it got so much attention, and so much of what I've heard from it has just been overwhelming. So here we go. I'm going to spoil this movie. Just tell you right now, but not the whole thing. I only spoil it up to a certain part and then I won't tell you the ending ending. But uh, so there you go. Fast forward past the synopsis if you have to. So this movie, it, it's, it's actually quite awesome. It's set in the 1980s and we got a title card at the beginning that claims that the movie is based on true unexplained events that have to do with the satanic cult scares during the 1980s. So we got this college girl, Samantha. She needs some extra cash, as most college students do. And she calls about this babysitting job. And uh, that night, I mean, they want her right away that night. So that night, also, there's going to be a lunar eclipse. So at one point, the moon is going to be completely blotted out of sight. So she uh, goes to see this family that wants her to babysit. And of course, they turn out to be really spooky, really weird. Uh, when it's all said and done, they end up tying her down in the basement so that they can use her in this crazy cult ritual, some kind of sacrifice. There's this demon thing that appears and tries to make her drink blood from this weird skull and it pours it in her mouth. And, uh, she eventually breaks free before they can do much harm to her. And, uh, she escapes the house and she kills some of these family members on the way out. But uh, she's starting feeling really weird. You know, she's seeing these flashes of these demonic things, and it's almost like she's tripping out. They tell her that it's too late, that the plan is already in motion, and that Satan is going to be there at midnight when the moon is completely blocked out. 
Samantha decides that the only way out is to shoot herself in the head. Boom. <laughs> Over. <laughs> well, not really. That's not the end of the movie. There is more. But I'm not going to spoil it entirely. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Um, like I said, this was pretty good. 1980s. I mean, I, I lived through that. I remember all the cult scares that were going out. Um, I used to read about it in the newspapers, and I'd cut out the articles and save them because it was so weird. And, I mean, to tell you the truth, I was really quite scared by the whole thing. Just news of cults doing human sacrifices in the woods, and it was just really, really surreal. So this movie brought that all back for me. And I really think that that's why so many horror fans love this movie, because it's very much an 80s movie. I mean, it's set in the 80s. It looks like it was made in the 80s. It really does. The film's a little bit grainy. Everything is perfect as far as the dress, uh, everything that they do, the music, everything fits in perfectly. So I guarantee you that there's this really nostalgic reaction happening with a lot of horror fans, because so many horror fans consider the 80s like the decade of some really, really great horror, which it is. So I think that's a part of it. Now, the big thing about this movie that everyone talks about is the pacing. Um, I got to say that I loved the pacing and I also hated the pacing. I loved it because it was very deliberate and artistic, but also extremely slow during the beginning and the middle. And then at the end, it picks up dramatically. Um, and I hated the pacing because it made me fall asleep. And although I enjoyed the poetic side of the movie... Uh, I kind of wanted something cool to happen the whole time. And and when it does happen, you know, some really cool stuff does happen, it's almost like a totally different movie, and that's how drastic the change is. The effects, all in all, were very, very nice, when they finally show up, that is. <laughs> they they shot probably two-thirds of this movie for probably a hundred bucks. <laughs> really wasn't much. Um, but all the effects were all practical effects, so hooray, no CG. And uh, it, all the effects maintain this 80s feel while also retaining uh, realism at the same time. So none of it looked fake whatsoever. The demon makeup is pretty cool, you know, during the sacrifice scene, the ritual scene, whatever. And all the blood and the violence are, are very well done. So I really got to hand them to that. So all in all, House of the Devil, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 because I've got to give it a deduction for the sleepy factor. <laughs> yeah, Any movie that puts me to sleep... Uh, the first time I try to watch it, yeah, despite the circumstances, uh, I'm going to have to dock it a few points for that. But otherwise, it's a really great movie. You should definitely watch it with lots of Mountain Dew. Shoot it, man. Shoot it in the head. Corey, Mike here. Good call on uh, dropping the Thrones track into your podcast from this past Friday. That was a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, anyway... Um, yeah, I just wanted to see if you, being a fan of comic books, if you actually checked out the uh, old Hellraiser comics. Uh, if not, they're, uh, they're awesome, and uh, you should check them out. Anyway, um, yep, home for a few more weeks and back out on the road. Have a good day. Bye. Hey, Mike, thanks for calling in, man. Um, I'm going to address the thrones here uh, in a minute, but uh, first of all, uh, I never have read the uh, Hellraiser comics, uh, I'll definitely look for them, though. I didn't know they even really existed, to be honest with you. So, hey, if you say they're good, I'll I'll definitely try to look them up and, and see uh, see what they're all about. Um, and thank you. Actually, Mike sent uh, a link to his band over to me the other day, and it's called Tombs. And if you go to filledwithsecrets.com, that's the band's website, and it's really cool, dude. I really like your music. 
man, it sounds great. Uh, they're on Relapse Records. The, the sound quality is fantastic. Um, they kind of have, um, it's, it's a metal band, and uh, I was kind of reminded sort of of bands like Prong or uh, some Melvins, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, it's heavy, it's very cool, and dude, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. So, yeah, yeah, so that band's called Tombs at uh, filledwithsecrets.com. So, yeah, go check them out. Um, but yeah, last week I played a song by a, a, a band, I guess you could call it, called Thrones. And of course, that's the brainchild of Joe Preston. I love Joe Preston, uh, of course, because I originally got to know him being part of the Melvins. He was one of the, the many bass players that the Melvins have had throughout the years. And uh, he, he's a great musician, a great guy. And Thrones is kind of his project. And it's really, really cool. I guess it's like a one-man thing, and it's just, it's crazy. And it's very cool, as, uh, as you can hear. And Mike, that is really cool of you to pick up on that and to appreciate that, because the music that I play on the podcast that isn't my own, I try to make it more obscure um, and stuff that people may not have heard of before. And so I never really expect to get a whole lot of of feedback about that people saying oh i you know i really like that song i really like that groove that you played because they're more obscure and i'm trying to kind of introduce cool bands and the fact that you knew thrones at all man was, was fantastic but uh speaking of the melvins now um i guess i'm just gonna start talking about the melvins because it, it kind of came up with the whole joe preston thing you know i love the melvins and uh it just reminded me that i bought their newest album it actually came out last June, and I'm finally picking it up now because I've been so busy. But um, it's called Bride Screamed Murder, and uh, it's a great album. It really is. Um, I love this new lineup. Well, it's not new now. They've had the lineup for several albums so far. But it's basically uh, Dale and Buzz from the Melvins, so they've been like the two constant members of the band. And they picked up Jared and Cody, who are the two members of Big Business, a great band also. Um, so of course, Jared playing bass, Cody on drums also. So the Melvins is like a two drummer band and there aren't many bands out there that, uh, utilize two drummers, two drummers on drum sets. You know, the first band that I think of with uh, two drummers is, uh, Grateful Dead. And also the Butthole Surfers did that for a while too. So a lot of cool bands out there experimenting with that because a lot of bands don't have the guts to, a lot of bands don't have drummers that are talented enough to be able to play with another drummer. So the Melvins are doing it. But yeah, uh, Bride Scream Murder is a great, great album. Uh, I just love it. Uh, I love them. I love the Melvins. Ah, yeah, yeah. And they never come around close to Erie. <laughs> Got to go to Pittsburgh or Cleveland or something, and I'm not able to do that a lot of times. So, but anyhow, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, Mike, thank you for calling in, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to express my love about the Melvins. And I love your band. It's great. It really is. So thanks, man. It is safe to state that the grandchildren of some of the people in this theater will not be born on Earth. come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead, zombies guided by a master plan 
for complete domination of the Earth. Plan 9 from outer space. Starring the most frightmarish cast ever, Bella Lugosi, the seductive vampire, and Ford Johnson as the walking dead. Turn off your electro gun! No! No! Stop him, Dennis! I can't get it! It's jammed! Stop him, you fool! Bullets bounce off their bodies. Rockets, missiles, jets cannot stop their death ships. What earthly power can stop this terror? For a glimpse of things to come, see this blast of screen suspense. For it could be happening right now. Plan 9 from Outer Space, of course, everybody knows, is from 1959, directed by Ed Wood. Um, and let me tell you a little bit how I actually decided to watch this movie for the first time. Um, I originally saw this only after seeing the movie Ed Wood, starring Johnny Depp. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing film. Um, I don't know why I saw it. I think I got it for cheap. I had it on VHS. And I think I got it in one of those stores where you can buy used VHS tapes. And it, most of them came from video rental stores that had, you know, got a million copies of some movie when it first came out. And then they dump on to all these discount stores where you can get, you know, used VHSs for like five bucks. So anyhow, this is one of the ones I picked up because I like Johnny Depp. There were a lot of big names in the film. Martin Landau, um, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker. So I'm just like, hey, you know, should be pretty cool. And it was a point in my life when I was really into uh, a lot of movies from the 50s and 60s, a lot of drive-in creature features. Um, I was watching uh, Elvira. Uh, I had a big kind of like collection of uh, Elvira VHSs that... Uh, had things like, uh, oh man, what movies? Uh, a, a Bucket of Blood, uh, Ega. So, you know, a whole bunch of movies like that. So I, I was really into it and I saw that this is about, you know, a horror filmmaker from the 50s. So yeah, this will be really cool. And that's the whole reason I decided to search out Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, the, the way that it's portrayed in the movie, the making of it. Um, I, I guess it's, you know, pretty well factual in, in what they did. Of course, there are, there are a few embellishments, I'm sure. But uh, no, it sticks pretty close to the real history of, of Ed Wood and the history of Plan 9. Um, I also saw, I went and bought, actually picked up Glenn or Glenda and Bride of the Monster. And uh, both of those movies are actually even worse, I think, than, than Plan 9. And that, that brings me to talk about, for a little bit here, the fact that Plan 9 has been called the worst movie of all time. It was given that title in 1980 um, by uh, some writer, I think, and then it won some other award of being the worst movie of all time. Ed Wood was awarded the worst director of all time, which very well could be. Uh, yeah, as far as a director goes, he was very incompetent. But uh, as far as calling Plan 9 the worst movie of all time, I think I, I, I gotta disagree with that. Um, I will give it that it's probably one of the most incompetent movies of all time, but it's surely not the worst. You know, and I, I'm wondering if the people who call Plan 9 the worst movie have ever seen movies like Teenage Zombies. I mean, good God. Teenage Zombies is downright, uh, it just grates on your brain and nothing really happens. You know, at least there's something of interest going on in Plan 9. You know, seeing Pytons 
attached to the end of, you know, fishing line is more interesting than what happened in Teenage Zombies. Of course, other than the gorilla, but that wasn't even that great. But, uh, and even more recently, you know, the movie that I think is the worst movie of all time and also the worst zombie movie of all time is Malva's Zombie Ass Kicker. It's horrible. It's unwatchable. Um, I don't see anything positive about that movie at all. So I'm just wondering why people call Plan 9 the worst. Um, and I'm almost thinking that that title just kind of gives it gives it a little more coolness to, to film buffs and to horror nerds and everything. Like, like hey, I, I like the worst movie of all time, so I must be different. I must be weird and misunderstood, and I must be cool. You know, so I think there's a little bit of that going on. Um, you know, there there is a certain amount of charm to it. And this, talking about Plan 9, I'm not trying to do a review here. I just want to kind of discuss some of the some of the themes and some of the issues here like I'm talking about now so I'm not even going to tell you the plot because we all know the plot you know couples a couple people die you know a woman and uh, her husband the old man and uh, of course their bodies are resurrected by aliens who are on their ninth attempt to um, kind of save the earth people from their own <laughs> you know evil ways you know atomic experiments and self-destructive ways and uh, they're going to do this by uh, resurrecting the dead. So, yeah, that's the whole thing. The cops are trying to figure it out and spaceships are coming down. So, yeah, yeah, we all know Plan 9. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have said this, but I'm also curious, too, as to what the first eight plans were, because they must have been great. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, where was I? There's a lot of charm to this. It's certainly not the worst movie of all time, but man, you know, there are there are some painful moments in it. You know, uh, so much of this was shot in different periods of time. Like, for example, the uh, shots with uh, Bela Lugosi were shot before he died, before the movie was ever conceived or made or anything. Ed just came up with these shots and shot them. Bela Lugosi dies, and uh, so there is a double for Bela Lugosi, which is uh, a chiropractor or something like that, who Ed Wood is convinced looks just like him, but uh, doesn't much look like him at all. And and whenever Lugosi comes back from the dead, his character in Plan 9, um, he almost does the vampire thing. You know, whenever we have Vampire and Tor Johnson coming back from the dead, they are more like stiff, mindless corpses you know, walking very slowly and with their arms out in front of them and everything, like they're in a trance. But when Lugosi comes back from the dead, he does this whole vampire thing. So he's trying to be Dracula again. You can tell it's poor old man Lugosi, who was so proud of Dracula. He was so proud of his work, especially his early work. He came from the stage, came from the theater, and uh, he really thought a lot of himself. And uh, don't get me wrong, he, uh, he you know, he kind of should have thought a lot of himself because he did some great work in horror. But, uh, you know, he just had so much pride in the Dracula character. And it's almost like he was resurrecting those shots and Ed Wood was putting those in. So it's almost like, I don't know, he was almost a vampire. In this. He always has his face covered and he's walking with a cape and everything. So I don't know. It's kind of confusing. And that's a lot of this movie. Um, the the set is horrible. The cemetery set, you know, it's just cardboard things and they're getting knocked over and people running into walls. And and uh, what else? Day shots, night shots, you know. And the first shot, it's day. Next shot, it's night. Next shot, it's day, night, day, night. And you never know what time it is. You never know anything. <laughs> it's just terrible. 
Um, yeah, the pie plate UFOs, I talked about that. So there are a lot of bad things about it, and I think it's kind of a almost like a hipster mentality why so many people say that they love this. And I'm not saying you're not allowed to love this movie. I mean, there's a lot about it to love, you know, from the goofy Criswell speech about the future. Those things that happen in the future shall affect you in the future, and we're all living in the future. Future, future. I am Criswell. <laughs> and then from the aliens rant about you stupid, stupid humans. You're stupid. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, it just doesn't get any better than that. So, yeah, it's almost like, you know, there's this innocent incompetence about the movie and that's the charm you know it's it's ed wood's skewed perspective uh about film and about the things that he's doing in his stories and his filmmaking uh he was very over ambitious he drank a lot <laughs> and uh you know he really thought he was making something fantastic every movie he did he thought it was awesome and I think there's something to be said for that, though. I mean, if you're going to do something, you got to go into it believing that this is the best thing that has ever been done. So, yeah, that's why you're listening to the best podcast that's ever been done and hearing some of the best original music that's ever been written <laughs> and hearing, hearing uh, discussions of movies. It's the best discussion you've ever heard. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> You'll never know. Uh, anyhow, yeah, far from one of the worst movies of all time, like I've said, especially since, if you, if you know anything about the history of film coming up through the 80s, is that we had the shot-on-video film movement, where uh, video camcorders were becoming more and more available, uh, so people were shooting on things like VHS and Beta, and releasing them directly to video, not a lot of them were, were showing up in theaters, because the quality isn't good by any means to shoot onto or project onto a, a movie screen. But with that movement, it's like anyone can get a camcorder, anyone can make a movie. And there are going to be a ton of really, really bad ones out there. So, you know, it was a lot harder back in Ed Wood's day to make a film. And uh, there was a lot of expense. That's why he had to, you know, talk the church people into giving him money because he needed a lot of money. But nowadays, the production costs are very, very low. You know, the, the camera I just got doesn't even take tape. I don't need to buy tape stock or invest in that. Now, I do have to invest in, in digital storage. I have to buy some drives and things like that to store all this media on. But I don't have to go through a lot of tapes. I just have the camera. Editing equipment is available on any computer, although I did buy, you know, the Adobe production suite, so whatever. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of free editing software already on your computer. So, man, anyone can go out and shoot a movie. And I just did. I just shot it. And I'm just some guy. Nothing special. So, I just think that there have been a lot worse movies than Plan 9 from Outer Space. So, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's just it. But I don't love it, love it either. Although I've watched it like a million times, of course. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not one of the fanatics about it, but it's, it's fun to watch. It really is. Um, of course, they are remaking this. Uh, I don't know where they are with that right now. I did see a trailer a while back, a little teaser for it, and it looked great, actually. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. So, I'm going to give this kind of a middle-of-the-road, uh, kind of 6 out of 10. Um, although I'm not really reviewing this, I'm not really rating this, but if I had to rate this on a scale to somebody... Um, I'd have to give them a slightly better than average, you know, slightly above a middle grade of five, 
just because there's that charm there and it, it is historically you know a, a, a movie that uh, has moved a lot of people so yeah yeah you should probably see it but did it do anything for the zombie genre I guess I gotta look at that now um, because this is definitely a zombie movie they are dead people that are brought back to life they are reactivated uh, pituitary glands and pineal glands or something like that uh, from the electrode guns <laughs> of the aliens um so yeah bringing the dead back to life there they're zombies but they don't use the word zombie it's really not a whole lot new although we haven't seen uh many if any alien control zombies so is this the first like alien controlled zombie movie i don't think so we have zombies of the stratosphere i guess so it was kind of in that vein you know this is more sci-fi than horror, although it blends it blends sci-fi and horror, you know, reasonably okay. <laughs> but uh, no, it really did nothing new for the zombie genre. Just kind of perpetuated it and propelled zombies into the '60s, where we're gonna see a weird, weird transformation in the, the zombie genre in a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways. So yeah, Plan Nine from Outer Space. It's on Netflix Instant Watch, and of course, I am the official Netflix Instant Watch sponsor apparently <laughs> and uh i just talk about netflix all the time so yeah but it is fantastic go watch uh, go watch plan nine at least once it's one you can show your kids this is a great halloween movie and i, di I didn't watch it on halloween but uh next year next year watch this on halloween You got around in the chamber and you safely the up. Stop. 
last we heard. My wife and son, they're alive. If they got out of here, they're in Atlanta. Why there? Military protection, shelter, food. They told people to go there. Said they were working on how to solve this thing. Atlanta sounds like a good deal. Listen, one thing, they may not seem like much one at a time, but in a group all hungry, man, you watch your ass. Approaching Atlanta on Highway 85. Anyone hear me? Please respond. Loneliness. Hello, can anybody hear my voice? Hey, hello? We're just outside the city. Hello? Damn it. We ought to warn people away from the city. Folks got no idea what they're getting into. Alright, here we go. We're going to start talking about The Walking Dead. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about it, and I'm going to play you some voicemails that have to do with it. And uh, just let me warn you now, all kinds of details are going to be discussed. My discussion is going to be really comparing the TV show to the comic book and what the differences are and, and uh, kind of conclusions that I draw from that. Uh, we're going to hear from Bad Hammer. We're going to hear from Spooky Bill. And, uh, you know, hey... That's uh, that's just the way it's got to be because I'm I'm gonna talk about this. So if you don't want spoiled, spoiler alert. <laughs> just yeah, just don't listen. Just forward through whatever. But I highly highly recommend that you see this TV show. It's great. So let's hear these voicemails and then uh, I'll tell you a little bit about what I thought. Hey, greetings, voicemail Beth and Corey. How you doing, man? Hey, dude. I can't believe you actually watched uh, Teenage Zombies. That movie is so fucking terrible. Um, when I did my angry review about the Dead Hate the Living fucking years ago, I forgot to mention Teenage Zombies, which is actually worse than the Dead Hate the Living, oddly enough. Um, oh my god, I can't believe you watched that. I, I feel so bad for you. Um, you brought up like how awesome the picture for the, the poster for the movie is, and it's like, yeah, man, I... I was a sucker for that in the five dollar rack at you know like a Wegmans or some shit or some grocery store, and uh, I thought you know hey this movie looks pretty good it's only five bucks it's sixties fifties something I can't have expected more and yeah terrible terrible movie, um, but 
I too have a Netflix account, and there's no shame in admitting how awesome Netflix is. Um, I, as you know, I work a lot, and uh, for me, going to the store and renting a movie, or you know, fuck, even going to Walmart and buying a movie is a real inconvenience. Um, but just being able to sit down and relax for a minute and turn on the Xbox and see what's on, or you know, I I do them up right from my phone, and. Uh, I, I like it, you know, and I'm like, I have the ability to have things queued up, and then, like, my friends all have Netflix, so they're like, hey, have you ever seen this movie? And it's like, no, and they're like, okay, well, queue it up. So, yeah, I'm not paid or sponsored or anything, but, man, I wish I was. I fucking love Netflix, dude. Um, <laughs> and I can totally see why, you know, Blockbuster and all these big chains of movie rental places are going out of business, because they didn't have the draw, and they didn't have the, you know... I mean, shit, they had a selection, but, you know, who wants to go look through it when you can just type something in and find it immediately and have it? You know, it's like our society now is a society of instant gratification. But, um, oh, my God, dude, I've been listening to podcasts all day at work. Um, and I know that you're always like, oh, I'm not a zombie podcast, I'm not a zombie podcast. But, dude, do you know how many zombie podcasts have popped up specifically because of the Walking Dead TV show? Um which aired last night, which was Halloween. Happy Halloween, by the way. And, man, I listened to, like, six different Walking Dead podcasts, and they all pretty much had the same things to say, but they all had something different to say. So, you know, it was, like, a couple hours spent listening to a lot of the same thing, but different opinions. And uh, I'd love to hear what you thought of the show. Um, and then, like, the one thing that I'm concerned about in it is that Robert Kirkman said that, or... Allegedly, Robert Kirkman has said that he's okay with changing the storyline of the comics. He really wants to change the story of the comics to for the show. And, you know, as we've already seen, like, shit's different than it was in, was in the comics. Which is good, because you don't want to, you know, shot for shot. But um, I liked it, man. I liked the zombies. It was awesome. So for a, for a show on TV, uh, the headshots and everything were fantastic. Um, I forgot where I was going with this, dude. I've had a really long day of work, and I'm uh, recovering from the whole Halloween festivities of being at a wedding and uh, hanging out with a Rockstar motocross team. And, uh, man, it's been a hell of a time. And I hope you dealt with all the trick-or-treaters as well. And uh, that song, Drinking Blood from, from Skulls, I can't remember the name of it. But that was really cool, man. Uh, yeah. Bad hammer out after a long message. And I'm sure I'll come back with something more relevant later. Hey, Corey, and voicemail is up. It's Bad Hammer calling again. And this time I know exactly what I want to talk about in my last phone call. Um, like I said, I was listening to a lot of Walking Dead podcasts today. And something that has kind of been bothering me and about like the whole the whole show is that there's so many people that have never read the comic and for that matter didn't even know that it was a comic. Um I'm a member of the world's largest wild, wild, uh, World of Warcraft guild, Aliyah uh AIE. And in guild chat, people were talking about how uh, they're watching this amazing zombie show, and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, hey, have you guys ever read the comic? And so many people have never even heard of the comic book. So, like, I don't know, man. I think something that kind of bugs me is the fact that the, the show's fantastic, but there's people that don't even know how awesome the comic is. So, I don't know, man, that's got nothing to do with the show, but it just kind of, it's, I don't know how to describe it, man. Like, 
I, I feel like as a fan of the show, and yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the show, um, it's part of my task, I guess, to inform people that they have to go read the comics. And, like, the traits are great, but, dude, the comics are amazing. Like, um, all the all the shit that goes on on the, the uh, letter pages, you know, like, I've, I've never read a comic book where I actually want to read the letter pages, except Walking Dead. And anything Mark Millar does. But yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't think there was anything else I wanted to say. If there was, I'll just call back later in the week. Alright, let's later. Alright, I'm sorry. I can't figure out how to hang off my phone while I'm dead. <laughs> later. Hey, Corey, this is Spooky Bill. It is, I don't know, November 2nd. And I was calling in to tell you Oh, I'm driving to work. That's not what I'm calling in. Hold on a second. Okay. So I was calling in to tell you that, yes, I watched The Walking Dead on AMC. On uh, Well, actually, I watched it yesterday and last night. But, uh, um, God, man, I'd like to know what you thought about it. I'm sure you're going to talk about it. Myself, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I don't know if you've watched it yet. I'm assuming you have, but I don't want to uh, spoil anything if you haven't and if your uh, listeners haven't. But um, it it does follow the comic. I'm only about halfway through the comic, the first compendium. But uh, it follows it pretty closely. And it looks like... Um, um, well, let's start at the beginning. You know, right off the bat, man, we see a kid shot. So right there, you know, it kind of shows you that you know AMC is not going to pull any punches. You know, they're going to they're going to they're going to show zombie kids. You know, they're they're, they're not going to hold back. Um, so that that was cool. I had a lot of respect for that. Um, you know, not the kid killing, but you know the fact that they didn't you know pull any punches. Like I said, um, I, when I first saw the trailer, I thought maybe that they were going to play off the. Uh, Rick looking for his son and wife the entire season, but from the uh, coming attractions, it looks like, uh, and, and towards the end scenes, it looks like they're going to stay pretty close to the book. Um, it's different enough to keep you interested, even if you have read the books, the comics, and uh, like uh, the very beginning scene in the comic where, you know, the, the car chase and the Rick gets shot. It was a little. It was just different enough in the uh, in the show, right? It took me off guard. I'm like, he got shot. I'm like, okay, so there you go. But then they just threw in a little bit of a twist there, just to uh, you know, nothing major, but just enough to say, oh, hey, you know. Anyway, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next episode, um, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward. to finishing up the compendium, the first one. Um, I know there's a second one on the way out or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. I th- oh, oh, one thing I wanted to bring up, and I don't know if it's this way later in the in the comics, but the zombies, they seem to have a little bit of memory, a little bit of intelligence there. I, I, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, at the beginning, we see the little girl. She picks up a stuffed uh, animal. And um, later on, one of them keeps coming back to the same house um, and trying to open the door and just looking around, you know, looking at her husband, 
um, I just thought I thought that was interesting. It, it wasn't overdone as uh, some zombie movies are or can be, namely from Romero. Um, but I think it was done well, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what they do with the zombies in, in, in this and see if they're any different from the, uh, the comic. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next one, and I uh, hope you, you enjoyed it and your listeners liked it. Uh, okay, Spooky Bill, take it easy. Thank you, Bad Hammer. Thank you, Spooky Bill. Uh, I appreciate that, and I've been so excited about The Walking Dead. Uh, I've kept myself from all the hype because there's been a lot out there, a lot of exclusive things, a lot of first clips, a lot of trailers. And uh, I've watched some of them. Of course, I watched the uh, the thing with Nicotero making that woman zombie. And, uh, you know, I watched the bootleg trailer from Comic-Con, but really that was it. Uh, this aired on Halloween, and I DVR'd it, so I didn't watch it here till the middle of the week. Because um, the Steelers, of course, were playing, so I had to watch the Steelers. They take precedence over any kind of zombie crap. But <laughs> I was surprised to see that uh, the first episode was 90 minutes long. I didn't realize it was going to be that long. And I thought it was great, actually. I could have had it be longer, and it would have been fantastic. <laughs> but it was basically a movie. Um, now, of course, when you count commercial breaks and everything, it probably clocked in around an hour, maybe just over an hour, somewhere around there. But, uh, yeah, it was basically a, a movie for the very first episode, which is great, which is great. And I think AMC, just like Spooky Bill said, I think AMC just really made the statement that it was balls to the wall with The Walking Dead because of that first kill. The child zombie shot right in the head on camera, right there. They're really pulling no punches, and the violence throughout this thing is unreal. Now, yeah, I, I saw a lot of differences uh, in between this and the comic, which I think is good. Um, because it starts out nothing like we've seen in the comic, really. Uh, a, a few things, but we really get to see the partnership between Rick and Shane. Um, and uh, I think Spooky Bill was exactly right. You know, he made the point that it's just different enough from the comic to keep the comic fans interested in it. Because if it's just a shot-for-shot shot thing, we already know what's coming. We've already seen this before. So they're changing it up a little bit so that there is something new for the diehard comic fans. And, you know, I am one of them. I love the Walking Dead comic. I've read through it several times now. I'm keeping up with it. And it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I was glad that they changed this up a little bit. So here, here are some of the things that really jumped out to me as being different than the comic. Uh, some things that maybe they're going in a little bit of different direction with, or they changed up a little bit. Um, things that I thought were big in the comic that they didn't show here. Um, so yeah, but all the major plot points are still intact, so don't worry about that. Uh, like, okay, at the beginning, there's the shootout, the cops, the bad guys. Rick actually gets shot twice, and I think Spooky Bill mentioned this in his voicemail. But, uh, you know, that's different than the comic. He only got shot once in the comic, and that's the shot that put him down. Now he gets shot twice, and I guess the first shot uh, hit, I don't know if he had uh, bulletproof armor on or a bulletproof vest or something, but uh, he was fine. And uh, it was the second shot that got him. Now it's quite a brutal shot. <laughs> so I like the, the squib things that they're using in this show. 
something else in the hospital. You know, he wakes up and he's all disoriented and he's going through the different rooms, down the hallway, down the steps. And at one point in the comic, he opens the door and it's just a room full of zombies. And they're chewing on guts and looking real disgusting. And it's one of the one of the iconic uh, the pieces of artwork from The Walking Dead. That's one that I, I've remembered uh, throughout the whole series now. And uh, that doesn't happen. That uh, that just doesn't happen. He finds a door, and uh, he goes to start to open it, but it's kind of boarded shut. And he's you know he hears banging on the other side, and his fingers poke through. So we don't get that really cool big zombie room shot that I was looking forward to. Um, so eventually, uh, Rick meets up with Morgan. Of course, we see Morgan and his son Dwayne. And uh, they end up uh, having radios. So Rick gives Morgan a radio, and he says that he's going to turn it on for a few minutes every day at dawn. And if Morgan really needs them when they split up, that, uh, you know, to try and get them then. And that never happened in the comic, of course. So I'm sure that that's going to be some plot point here along the way, and it's going to be used. Um, there is a great sequence with Morgan where uh, he's struggling to finally put down his zombie wife. And he has a sniper rifle, he's upstairs, and he knows that the fact that his wife is still wandering around outside as a zombie is just killing uh, he and his son when they have to see that. His son is really taking it hard. So Morgan realizes that he has to put her down so that they don't have to see that anymore. And the struggle that he goes through, it's, it's a classic, classic scene. Really, really well done. Um, and speaking of those radios, uh, Rick does make radio contact with the camp where his wife and his son and Shane are. Uh, of course, that never happened in the comic, although they don't realize it's him. Um, when Rick is in Atlanta, riding through the streets on his horse, he sees a helicopter in the sky. And I don't remember that happening in a comic. The only helicopter that I remember seeing in the comic was that that they saw at the prison. And they saw the helicopter go down, and that's how they, you know, went into the whole story arc with the governor and everything. So, yeah, there was no helicopter. And then while he's in Atlanta, and of course he's on his horse, we see the horse get ripped apart, uh, just like in the comic. But also, um, something is different is he gets up inside a tank. And because, uh, of course, in the comic, we saw the tank, but I don't think Rick actually ever took refuge in this tank. I think Glenn automatically rescued him um, as soon as he realized that the horse was was gone. But uh, so, yeah, he's kind of in this tank and we're left at the end of the episode with a cliffhanger. You know, um, he's inside this tank. It's covered with zombies. And uh, what's he going to do? But we hear somebody come across his walkie-talkie saying, Hey, you in the tank. And that's where we're left. And of course, I, I expect that's going to be Glenn, of course, to come to rescue him, take him to the camp. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, those are the biggest differences. Of course, there, there were a lot of other smaller differences as far as, uh, you know, at the beginning we see the interaction with him and Shane. Uh, we get a lot more of that. Uh, the little zombie girl at the beginning... Uh, some of some of the shots they're different, but I think it's it's giving us a little more backstory right off the bat. We're getting to know and care about the characters, I think, right away, which is great. I think they did this fantastic. I mean, the storytelling is very good. It's it's captivating, um, and just the visuals in this. I, I just I, I got to give props to AMC for really, really being so open to so many cool, violent shots. 
Um, you know, we have great things. I love the shot with the rows of the dead bodies wrapped in sheets that Rick finds before he realizes what exactly is going on with zombies and stuff. And of course, the thing that everyone is talking about is the zombie woman. She's actually a half woman and she's a, a kind of a grayish green and it's obvious she's been rotting and decomposing. And uh, that is an amazing looking zombie. That's got to be one of the best looking zombies of all time. I mean, it's, you know, you take, you take like something that Savini did in Day of the Dead and you combine it maybe with a little bit of Return of the Living Dead kind of feel and you got this zombie. It's just, it's an amazing visual. It really is. And the way she was dragging herself through the grass and, and she had entrails, of course, hanging out of her torso where she was cut in half and they're dragging along and you can see the stains of where the, she's been dragging herself through the grass. I mean, it's just the attention to detail is so good here. Um, it, it, they're letting it be good and violent. And oh, man, man, it, it is so good. Um, a great zombie mob in Atlanta. You know, when Rick's there with the horse, we got hundreds of zombies there. And they all look great. It's not just a couple good-looking zombies on the front lines and then everyone else just kind of has dark circles around their eyes. No, 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 no. They took time. They took a lot of time with these zombies. Oh, it looks so good. And they rip the horse apart, like I said. I'm sure that's going to have animal lovers just, just crying, crying tears. <laughs> but I thought it was awesome. And now Rick, this is another, I think, really effective scene. Rick's inside the tank. And he gets up there and he shuts the, the little hatch and he's safe, finally, from all the zombies. He thought he was going to be eaten. But he's in there and he's safe. Then all of a sudden he finds that there's a zombie in the corner of the tank. And so Rick pulls out his gun and he shoots a zombie in the head, which is all well and good. Except whenever you fire a gun in a very enclosed space such as that, it's going to blow out your friggin' eardrums. And that's what it did to Rick. And the way that they conveyed that with the sound effects and the, the visuals and everything, it's, man, it's, it's just weird. It's really the feeling that you get whenever you blow out your eardrums <laughs> and it was just it was so good it was so good uh they did it really well um the only thing is of course we do see cg blood done well this is some of the best cg blood and cg effects that you'll see but uh, yeah some of the, some of the gunshots are uh but they they did a lot with practical effects too so they're mixing mixing the practical effects with the CG effects, and I think doing it well. Uh, I wasn't really bothered by the CG at all. I just picked it out. I knew it was CG. So, eh, what can you do? It's like nowadays it's inevitable. So, might as well accept that it's going to be there. Uh, and the casting, you know, I'll talk about that. I thought the characters were cast really, really well. I pretty much knew who everybody was before they were introduced, before they said their names, before anyone. You know, I, I already... No, uh, you know, that we saw Lori, Carl, Dale, you know, the different different characters like that. So, uh, yeah, cast, fantastic. I just can't wait to see where this goes. I, I really can't because, uh, you know, we have, we have a few kind of changes here from the comic. And I'm wondering how creative they're going to get with this. And I think based on this first episode, I think it looks like they're keeping all the major plot points. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee you, I would say, that uh, you, you know where it's going to go next if you've read the comic. Um, but, uh, you know, they did this preview montage for the rest of the season at the end, after, after the end of the show. And uh, 
I can't tell whether or not they're going to get to the prison this season or not. I know it's just a limited number of episodes. I think it's like six episodes they're producing for this. So there's only so much that you can get in and still really effectively tell this story um, before the prison. So based on the visuals, I'm like, well, that could have been at the prison. And I wasn't sure. And I was trying to see if maybe... I could uh, pick out any characters that they may have met at the prison. Were they there yet? And I don't think so. I know, I think I've, I've saw Tyrese there, so I think we're going to see him. But uh, other than that, I'm not quite sure. I would say probably not, because the prison is such a big arc. Uh, there's so many amazing things that happen there. I would think that that would be like a season two, maybe a season two and three kind of a story arc there that they'd be saving. And I don't think you want to get into that in the first season. I really don't. So, man, this was awesome. This was awesome. I'm sorry that I'm spoiling so much of it for you. But, I mean, if you've listened to my to my Walking Dead comic uh, extravaganza episodes that I did with that other podcast, then you've already heard all these spoiling things before. So, <laughs> yeah. But I, I am so excited for the rest of the series. Walking Dead gets a, a 9 out of 10. It's darn near perfect. And, uh, yeah, I'll be uh, DVRing probably again this Sunday. Do you still believe it impossible we exist? You didn't actually think you were the only inhabited planet in the universe. How can any race be so stupid? All right, my original song this week, it's fully original, uh, not a cover again, but uh, this is kind of the first part of like a two-part thing I'm going to be doing here. I'll kind of give you the the second part next week, but it's because I wrote two different versions of this song. Uh, It's called Watershed, and it originally was not called Watershed. Originally, it was called The Boat. Uh, It was called The Boat because it was supposed to be part of my zombie songs. I wrote this on acoustic guitar. And I've always really liked it. And uh, I, I tried originally writing some lyrics to it. This was supposed to take place when they're down at the docks with Peter West and the girl. And they're, you know, making out to kind of fool the cop that's down there. And this song was going to be about that. I wrote some lyrics and they never quite fit. I mean, I couldn't get it ever quite to work right. So um, I've, I've just been messing with this song now for many, many years. As I'm playing it on acoustic guitar, I'm just like, man, this would really be fun to play on a bass. If I could slap this thing on a bass, man, that would be really fun. So I wrote a second version of this song uh, that's played using like basically a lead bass part. And uh, it, it some of the parts are changed up and, and the song has a different feel. So that's why I'm playing you two different versions of this song. Now the part the or the version on bass that I'll play you next week doesn't have any lyrics to it because it's all just a, a, a really quick song in and of itself. It's just an instrumental. It's really cool. But the version this week, the original acoustic version, has lyrics. But these lyrics are basically new lyrics. They have nothing to do with the zombie series. I've removed this song from my zombie songs, so it has nothing to do with that anymore. Um, I changed it to Watershed because I had kind of the Watershed, the Waterside lyrics going through my head every time I played this. So I adapted it to that. And uh, yeah, so here it is. This is my acoustic kind of stripped down version of Watershed. Thank you. 
Well, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, for calling in, contributing. I think uh, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, if you got some comments or want to say something or what you think of some of the movies or whatever, I don't know. Uh, the voicemail of death is 814-806-2828. My website is midnightcory.com. Um, and yeah, it's been fun doing this. I like sitting down and just blathering every week, every week. It's a, it's a little different excursion for me every week, so it's pretty cool. Next week, I'm going to be talking about... Um, the last zombie movie from the 50s that uh, I've chosen to talk about, and that is Invisible Invaders. It's a 1959 movie, same year as Ed Wood's Plan 9 that I talked about this week. But uh, the difference is I've never seen Invisible Invaders. So, yeah, there you go. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. I'll have more original music for you. I'll play you the uh, other version of Watershed that I wrote. That's uh, more of a lead bass thing, more of almost a, a progressive kind of crazy, weird thing. So <laughs> it's going to be great. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that you're listening every week and uh, I'll talk to you again next week. All right.